Welcome to 360 Conversations. This is a podcast featuring powerful conversations with busy women who are simplifying their lives, living intentionally, and creating space for everyday joy. I'm your host, Tamu Thomas, and this is episode 14. In today's episode, I'm going to be talking all about money with Jennifer McFarlane, otherwise known as The Money Medium. Jennifer is an international best-selling author, transformational money mindset and abundant life mentor, spiritual alchemist and summit leader. Jennifer has a magical way of aligning people with their destiny by supporting them to understand the power of their thoughts and habits. Jennifer assists people to identify subconscious thoughts about money and shift their money story from one of lack and limitation to one of abundance and expansion. I really enjoyed this conversation with Jennifer. I'm really loving having conversations about money, actually. I love Jennifer's thoughts around money and practices we can engage in to allow money into our lives and stay there by tapping into subconscious beliefs. She also shared some really interesting insights about where our money stories come from and drew links between money beliefs we've inherited from a time and generation that we weren't born into and is no longer applicable. I found this conversation really enlightening and I hope you do too. Before I start my conversation with Jennifer McFarlane, I'd like to ask you to rate and review this podcast because your rating and reviewing helps my podcast reach a wider audience and I'd love to reach more people throughout 2019. Enjoy the show. Hey, beautiful people. I hope that you are well. And if it's still the festive season, I hope that you are having a merry old time. Today, I am joined by Jennifer McFarlane, who is known as the money medium. Her speciality is, I'm going to say, creative ways of helping people to acknowledge and shift out of money blocks so that they can live an abundant life where they dream big and smile more. Um, yeah. I'm going to hand over to Jennifer now so that she can introduce herself and tell us a bit about what she does. Hey, Jennifer, thank you for being with us. Hey, Tamu, thank you so much for having me. What an honor. Um, and I'm, I'm just so excited to speak to you and your audience and share some nuggets uh, around the holiday season, what a perfect time. Indeed. <laughs> so, so for those of us who, or those of our listeners that haven't come across you yet, please could you share a bit about what you do and how you yeah. came to do it? Yeah, that's a pretty um, <laughs> fun story. <laughs> so um, I work with people now basically on money mindset, but it's a tricky word because a lot of people out there are, uh, doing money mindset. And I think that the way that I do it is very different from what is, uh, out there in the world right now. I'm not about hustle, hustle, hustle more. I'm not about, uh, the harder you work, the more you will get. In fact, I'm more about relax and receive, you know? Yeah, there's work involved in that, but Hey, we got to step away from the hustle mentality because that's basically uh, a gene that's come down from our grandparents' lives, right? From the depression and, and all of the stuff that that generation went through, mm-hmm. um, what we grew up around, around our families and clearing that and really starting to live the lives that we want. So, um, and that can bring us, in many different directions. Sometimes it brings us to deep traumas, you know, women who have had abortions, miscarriages, that can affect how you feel with your money, with abundance in your life in general, right? Mm. Um, But there's so many different things, family things, spiritual programming, all kinds of stuff. So I love what I do. How I came to do it is an interesting story. So in my early thirties, mm, I've always wanted to write a book, wrote a book. And, but I had come from a hypnosis and, um, meditation mindset background. And what I find is a lot of the boxes that you have to fit in to do things, they don't really work for me. So I had to create my own really open box. Mm-hmm. 
and, um, you know, I, I struggled with money mindset as well in my, I think our twenties, we kind of all mess yeah. up on money in our twenties. <laughs> it's right? a rite of passage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, there's that rebellious, like I'm away from my parents. I can mm-hmm. do whatever I mm-hmm. want. And then we wake up in our thirties and go, wait a minute, this needs to change because I want more Mm -hmm. out of life. Mm -hmm. This is not what I want. And so that's kind of what happened. And through hypnosis and meditation and doing all of that work myself, uh, I realized that there is a lot of programming happening in our minds that is not true, but we treat it like it's truth. Mm -hmm. And um, when we can shift the mind we can shift the reality. So that's me I'm in a loving, nutshell. <laughs> I really love the you you opening with relax and receive and not being um, signed up to this hustling mentality because mm. I think that it's very easy to get caught up in that cycle. I quite often hear, um, particularly American people, I'll outwork you, I'll outwork you. And I'm just like, that's really just not very healthy. And from my own experience, the whole hustling mentality, well, is draining, but also the way that I've described my experience of hustling is, it's like I was banging my head against a brick wall, not mm-hmm. paying attention to the signs around me and not realizing that literally a meter to the left, there was a wide open door. But because I was so fixed on this particular way, I was bashing my head and feeling really sad, disappointed, mm-hmm. feeling yeah. like, you know, I was an idiot. Um, simply because for me, hustling meant I was closed rather than open. Mm, I love that you said that because it is, it's when you are, and there's, you know, there's a type personalities. There are people, I am not an A type personality. I like relaxing. (laughs) I enjoy my time alone and doing nothing is my favorite thing to do. I have no shame in saying that. (laughs) Um, And if I don't have that, I, I, I'm not my best person. I don't show up in life my best person for my son, my husband, my clients, mm-hmm. my people. So, uh, but it took me a while to learn that relaxing is okay. You know, that oh, people aren't going to judge me. People aren't, my, my husband's not going to think I'm a horrible mother and wife if I'm, you know, and then you get into the whole patriarchy paradigms too of, whoa, did I fall into that? I'm the stay-at-home wife that must look like she's busy all the time. Yeah. And good Literally God. Just was yesterday, <laughs> I was having this conversation with um, uh, another lady who is um, a, a coach and um, just talking about um, the notion of having to fill all your time and what you're saying about people judging you for not doing anything. My biggest mm. judge for resting you know, I could have been doing all sorts of things. But mm. if I've got what I used to perceive as dead time in the evening and I wasn't mm. toiling away at some kind of something that's taking me towards some kind of goal, I would literally feel like I was being lazy without, yeah. you know. It's one of the biggest things I work on with people. Women, Especially, I don't know, there's a YouTube video or a TED talk about the different boxes in a female mind and a male brain. Have you seen that? No. But basically, a female brain, um, all the boxes are full. (laughs) And so, and filled with many things. Men actually have empty boxes. So that's why they can sit down and watch a football game and not think about another thing for hours. But a woman sits down to watch a football game if she wants to watch football. (laughs) And she's thinking about the laundry, the dinner, the lunch for tomorrow, the breakfast, the, you know, what needs to be done in the business. She's thinking about a thousand things at once. So that downtime isn't natural. 
And we are, as women, we're our worst enemies when it comes to relaxing. And we hear those old things. I mean, I remember as a teenager, my mom calling me lazy. It stuck to me because I always liked relaxing, right? Mm -hmm. But that as an adult carried through that whenever I was relaxing, I could hear that voice. You're being lazy. You know, she even, I had a nickname, Linus. She would call me Linus because I would actually like stay on the coach with my blanket and that was comfortable and safe and good for me in a world at that time that was not safe, comfortable or good. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. My parents were going through a divorce and that's what I needed. Yeah. Um, So we're often told, and it's a deep self subconscious program that if we're not constantly doing something, we're being lazy and that does not feel good. So I would recommend first, if you're listening to this, if you have that going on in your deep subconscious to start putting that in check, even when I hear something like that come up now, I just say, stop. That is not true. I speak to myself Mm -hmm. and I say, it is important for me to relax. It makes me a better person. I need this. This is self-care. I love myself, you know? Um, And how that relates to money is when you allow yourself to relax and enjoy and feel abundant in the moment of what is instead of making it wrong, (laughs) then things start to unfold more abundantly in every area of your life. What happens on the inside, you start to see on the outside. Absolutely. Almost every woman I work with, we work on that programming because, man, women are supposed to be superwomen in this world that we've built around them. They're supposed to have sex every day. They're supposed to make breakfast, lunch, and dinner and clean up from all of them every day. They're supposed to have a full-time job. You know, like a woman is – we're not led to believe that a woman – I mean anybody, women or men living this – they're supposed to be hustling – if they expect to be successful in life. And it's just, we need to, that may have been true. You know, it may have been true for our grandparents or, but it's, if we look at the world that we live in really now, and we look at how anybody can show up on Instagram and start creating a brand of who they are, you can, you know, you can make a pot, you can do so many things. Yeah. 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 Money is not hard anymore. Yeah. And we need to shift the mentality around it. Yeah. I do, you know, I think it's very important that women especially pay attention to their numbers um, because programming has taught women that they're not good with numbers. Oh my gosh. You're, you know, we believe from a very young age that the boys are good at math, girls aren't good at math. Um, And that starts a whole program of I'm not good with numbers. I want him to take care of it. And whenever we step out of our power as women and and do that, we we lose what we're actually really good at. Women, when they step into that uh, game of money and numbers and intuition with numbers, they are flipping brilliant. Women are very good with money. Mm -hmm. I don't care what you've been told or how it's shown up as your reality in the past. Start paying attention to your numbers, what comes in and what goes out, how you want to invest. Let your dream storm a little bit about who you want to be financially Mm -hmm. and let it be easy. Mm -hmm. Let it be easy. And and that, I think, is, is something that has been really important, effective, beneficial for me because I, when my parents um, are immigrants, they came to, my mum was however old, teenager when she came to England, my dad in his early 20s, and mm. um, quite a lot of um, African, West African immigrants when they came to England were working class, but had education and whatever else that could give them access to upward mobility. So even though my um, my mum, my more than my dad, did have the education and the wherewithal to have that upward mobility, mobility those mm-hmm. 
beliefs and concepts and stories that came with being from a working class background Mm -hmm. traveled when now she was in a um, socioeconomic bracket that would be considered to be middle class. So I very much did grow up with the concepts of um, money doesn't grow on trees we haven't got money mm-hmm. to waste on that, like, you know, eating out and things like that. Like, there's quite a yep. common joke that you'll hear amongst um, West African, children of West African parents, when you talk about going out for dinner and they'll say there's rice at home because quite often parents' mm. response would be, what do you want to do that for? We've got food at home. But the right. the, the root of that was um, financial. So when I started yeah. to think about... Uh, shifting my money mindset, which, you know, still needs a hell of a lot of work. It was little things like, um, well, actually, I wouldn't say little things because that makes it sound small, but no, it was a small thing that had a profound effect. So, for example, I would talk about wanting to earn X amount of money or as I became a business owner, wanting my business to generate X amount of money. But it was just a blanket, nebulous statement. It's only Mm -hmm. when I was reading stuff about financial awareness and mindset from a more sort of spiritual point of view, I started Mm -hmm. to think, well, what do you want this money for? Um, And then Mm -hmm. a few podcasts ago, I spoke with a lady, Paula Perry, and she encapsulated it really eloquently she talks about giving your money a purpose so before I was talking about I wanted to um turn over you know let's just say 100k well what am I going to be doing with that 100k what is it you know I firmly believe that I um when I'm having my communication with higher power that Mm -hmm. it's not just about me asking about things that I want it's about asking what I am here to do. So mm-hmm. in that brainstorming about what I would use that money for, it was really important for me to map out what I want the money for and what I'm going to do with that money. So I'm using it yep. as energy rather than just as a co- commodity to buy stuff. Yes. And I tell you something, I am earning half of what I was previously possibly even less but I've been able to do more since Mm -hmm. I shifted my mindset it's it's bizarre yes and even little things like I've got this banking app where you can save um you can you can save money you can transfer save your change type thing yeah so any amount you want so I thought right numerology so I save one pound eleven every day since I started doing that and since I sort of like really thought right what is the purpose of this money Things have. Sh- I'm not saying that I'm rolling in money. That's coming. I'm not there yet. I've just started this yes. business, but I'm not in the supermarket hoping that my debit card's not going to fail. Yeah, you know, and uh, I just there's so much to say <laughs> on what you just said. It's like, what's what's um, but a lot of people have. Tra- I just want to hit on the grocery store thing. A lot of people have traumatizing memories. And, and I know I say traumatizing. Some people say, well, that's kind of dramatic. But how it sits in the subconscious, it is dramatic, right? So if I had one client and she saw her mom steal a thing of cheese when she was young. So whenever she's in the grocery store now, she feels unsafe. It feels, you know... So there's, or if you knew that your, your parents were really struggling and every time you asked for, Hey, can I get fruit roll-ups or whatever it might've been? Mm -hmm. And the answer was no, there's a strong part of you that still doesn't believe you can have what you want and you just won't even, you'll write it off. Mm -hmm. You know, you won't even, you won't even see it on the shelf anymore because you've had 20, 30 years of training that no, you don't even look at those things. So opening people back up to, first of all, you attract from how you feel, right? Mm -hmm. We attract from how we feel. And if we're feeling shitty about our lives and we're living in a place that we don't like and we're eating food that we don't like, we're walking around going, my life sucks. I suck. My life sucks. And you cannot attract abundance from that. You you will hustle into the wall (laughs) for the rest of your life. (laughs) And yes. why it's not working, yeah. right? Yeah. 
So every day I do a practice called what's going to make me feel good, right? And so I have a little list on the fridge and some of them are really simple. Like I love coconut water. That makes me feel good. So as long as I'm doing some of those feel good things every day, I'm keeping my vibration up. Then when I look at my money, I feel good. And when I go to the grocery store and I want organic strawberries instead of regular strawberries, because they actually taste like strawberries and the Mm -hmm. other strawberries taste like crap, then every strawberry that I eat, I'm like, enjoy it's you're you're compounding the positivity inside of you that you attract from. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to go back because I, I totally love that. Uh, what was the lady's name that you had? Paula Perry. Paula Perry. I don't know her, but I might have to look her up because mm-hmm. she sounds really in alignment. Um, what was it? Oh, your money needs a purpose. purpose. So... I, I teach that with every one of my clients is if you don't have a reason for money to come into your life, why would it? Right? So if you are saying, Ooh, I've got to cut off. I, we can't go on vacations. We can't do this. We can't do that. Money can't come in for that. You're not opening the door for it to come in for that. You're closing the doors on it. So if you, even if it's, might not happen next month, but you are tuned into the life that you want and you start preparing for it and you're going, okay, I'm going to open a savings account. Even if I'm putting a dollar 11 in it, this is my vacation account. And I want to go to Italy and I want to do this. Then you'll start seeing that money will start coming to you because you've opened the doors for it to receive it. We can only receive what we're the capacity at which we're able to. So if you, sorry, and a lot of us, a lot of us are still trying to attract the same amount of money that our parents made. And I mean, that's just not going to do it in this world. We get, you know, but we grew up seeing or hearing a certain lifestyle and we don't know that we can have different than that at a very subconscious state. So, if you know that your dad made 2000 and your mom made 1000 then if you're making 3000 you're you've arrived. Yeah. And you don't think beyond that. Yeah. We we do need to acknowledge that it's okay to evolve where our parents were. We and are it's not greed. And it's not greed. It's and and sometimes your parents might make you feel like you are because unless they have training in mindset, they, our parents and me as a mother, we want our children to do it the same way we did it. (laughs) And you know, what's really um, quite interesting about that is that, um, thinking about our parents wanting us to do it the way that they did it, because that's what they knew, and we operate from where we know. There are so many, um, well, unfortunately, fortunate, well, not even fortunately, it is life. Um, mm-hmm. I'm at a place where um, people that are my granddad's kind of age, you know, they're dying. Um, and there's mm-hmm. a lot of them that have not sorted out their money so okay because they have come from a background of they weren't necessarily in lack but they had that scarcity mindset they Mm -hmm. saved and saved and saved but there was no purpose for the saving they just wanted to stockpile that money they just wanted that money there they haven't really made any proper arrangements for their money so you know it's going to sound like really morbid and gold diggery that's not my intention (laughs) but so they're now in a position where money they've left behind that there's ridiculous tax having to be paid because it wasn't sorted out in any kind of totally they weren't smart about it so there are people i know who come from wealth they sort out their money within a time frame so that they're not going to get taxed on it these people because they wanted that security they're ending up paying the tax man or oh, all of it goes to the treasury because there's been nothing yep. put in place because it was just uh-huh. a security blanket. 
I know. So, so much money kind of dies in that way. Right. Like I, I like to think of money as a good friend and it, it should be used if you want to have it in your life. I mean, yes, we do want some saved for, you know, so that we feel good, but I don't know about you, the world that we're living in now, I hope I'm still doing what I'm doing until the day that I pass. Absolutely. There's no part of me that's like, oh my gosh, by the time of 50, I want to retire and do nothing with the rest of my life. No part of me. And that's a shift too, because our uh, predecessors definitely had that programming going on. And they didn't know that they could connect their purpose to money. Mm -hmm. It was go get the job. I mean, man, there's just so much from... I have a 13-year-old son. From that age on, they're programmed to find the best job that will pay the best money so they can save the most money for when they're 60. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, dude, (laughs) you do realize that you could make a million dollars on YouTube next year if you wanted to, right? (laughs) Yeah. Just unboxing toys. Totally. (laughs) Exactly. So it has shifted. And I I always make sure to say, you know, it's important that we honor what we've come from. We honor what our grandparents went through because we wouldn't be here if they didn't go through what they went through. But it's okay. And we don't have to be guilty or ashamed that life and money can be a lot easier and much more abundant for us because of what has happened. Right. And we don't need to carry their same worries, their same fears, their same anxieties. So often, you know, you you notice as you're, as we're aging, like, Whoa, that was my mother sometimes. Right. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And I can, I can hear my mother's thoughts sometimes. And when I work with people, I even hear people say like, whoa, that's exactly what my mother did with money. Or that's exactly, I'm doing exactly what she did or what she said to do. Mm -hmm. And we can free ourselves from that because their paradigms of what they did with money do not serve us in this new sort of new world that we're living in now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah. So how did you get into this line of work? On your website, it says that you understood the connection between the mind and how it creates our reality from quite a young age. How did that come about? Because I think that we all, to a lesser or greater degree, know, but we don't fully understand and feel. Mm -hmm. So when I was really young, when I was a teenager... I started, it was very natural for me to, to understand how people's brain minds worked. I just understood the differences, especially between male and female. And I was, I always joke that I should have wrote the, uh, the Venus Mars matter of that book. And I remember seeing it come out and being like, Whoa, (laughs) as a teenager, that's, that's the book I would have written. And then I, went on to write my own book later. Um, but then in my twenties, I started doing yoga a lot more, started understanding my own mind, went, um, and did some courses with this beautiful man. He's in his nineties now. His name's Bert Goldman. And he is, uh, he's like a I don't know how to even explain him. He's like a mind magician and I just went for it and I followed him on, I took courses with him and he, he taught hypnosis. And when I learned how easy it was to uninstall old programming via sort of self mind control, I know that sounds kind of strong, but I could disarm almost or delete stuff that wasn't working anymore for me and reinstall how I wanted it to go. So, you know, 10 years ago going, Hmm, I'd like to make a million dollars in a year would have been, I would have laughed at myself for thinking that now I understand that if I can actually 
prove to my brain that it's possible, Mm -hmm. then it starts unfolding. It's that most of us don't know how to prove to our brain that it's possible. So it goes to the default programming of, oh, that's a joke. That's impossible. Nobody's ever done that before or whatever your parents would have said about that too. That's greedy. That's you shouldn't want for that much. That's evil, right? So many things around money that people carry. Um, And then I honestly just started bringing that online and people got it because I think it was at the time where people started, were starting to pay attention to the law of attraction. Mm -hmm. The secret had come out, but when I had watched the secret and listened to the law of attraction stuff, it was missing a huge piece. It was like, okay, I can visualize, I can do the vision boards, I can do the journaling, I can do the gratitude, but it wasn't working. It was like, I don't get it. (laughs) They say this is all I have to do. But it's because my deep subconscious programming was not changing. So if, unless we change from the inside out, honestly, when you put a vision board together, if you have not changed from the inside out, a part of you is going to laugh at yourself when you see certain pictures and make the subconscious decision that "Mm, that's never going to happen. Yeah. Right. So, but if we shift it here first, then when we look at it, we can actually immerse in that's happening. That's my life that I'm creating. Right. It, puts a different feel and energy into it. And you've got to disarm a lot of crap from life. You know, even if somebody has been bullied, that affects their confidence and somebody who doesn't have confidence, it's, it affects how they, everything affects how money comes to you. People don't understand that they think money's money, but money has to do with everything. Absolutely. That's the truth. That's the truth. Mm-hmm. And I say to, you know, people that when people say, um, when people mistake conversations about money as people linking money with happiness, I'm not saying that money will give you happiness. If you're miserable, you're miserable whether you've got money or uh-huh. not. But absolutely, if you don't have money, you do not have the emotional space to do that higher level thinking that makes life feel worth living. So you can have the vision board, you know, and Mm -hmm. so so I used to really, really, I've said it so many times, I used to really struggle with the concepts of manifesting. Even now I'm saying the word, I can feel a little bit of resistance in my heart, Uh even though I now am on board with me doing things to manifest. Because the way that it was talked about previously, I feel like, it was selling the idea that you just lie down in bed all day, manifesting all exactly. this stuff and it drops out of the sky, which means that people would be very dismissive because manifest, manifesting, manifesting takes work. There is action that yeah. is necessary. So even with the vision boards, I see people doing vision board parties and all that sort of stuff. But I think to myself, that's all well and great. I've had a vision board, but I didn't pay any attention because I hadn't done anything really to shift move it forward yeah Yeah. it's like oh okay I would love to have that vacation in Tahiti um with a beautiful man on the beach but you're just looking so when you're looking at that picture do you really believe you can make it happen because if you don't what falls into play as a default is uh that's a pipe dream right and your sub so and your subconscious is the thing that is the most powerful in manifesting, right? Our conscious mind, because mm, our conscious mind stays pretty elusive. Really, it's like ah, I love that, whatever, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> but the subconscious takes it to all kinds of deep levels. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I and think I guess the vision- that must be why, because I've I've met various people throughout my life and my reality is most of the people that I'm around are fully or relatively middle class but they're having the money blocks 
mm-hmm. you know, whether it's imposter syndrome that's telling them they can't charge what they're worth. Yes. Or yes. whether it's feast or famine. I've got the money now, so I've got to spend it now. You know, treating yes. money as a target rather than a commodity, a flow of energy. How, what, what can we do to, because I know for me, it was over a year of constantly listening to reading books about money mindset and really digging deep mm. and unearthing things from my childhood that I remembered. Like if you were to ask me about it, I'd be able to tell you very flippantly what it was. But it's only when I really started to dig that I was able to connect what happened with the feeling and think, oh my God, I found you. I found you, mm-hmm. you block. Like, I found you now. <laughs> it's such a great feeling, right? You're Absolutely. Like... <laughs> well, at the time, it was like Armageddon. <laughs> and once I transitioned by Armageddon, I'm like that new Ariana Grande song, Thank yeah. You, Next. So, like, literally. But I, I don't know. I, like, how can we encourage people to do that digging? Because people are scared and are hiding but you're hiding from a massive great big elephant in the room. Yeah. Um, We, we can't hide, you know, we think we can, we can run, but we can't hide from ourselves. So, and that's where we start to see um, lottery winners that a couple years down the road are back in debt. We see, people who are up-leveling in their business or their life, but they still have nothing left over for what they really want. The money has this funny way of disappearing in all kinds of ways when you're not firm on the lifestyle that you want, when you're not connected and in that co-creation mode. Because otherwise, if, if you say, okay, I want that vacation on the beach, the money comes in, but you're like, Oh my God, I gotta, I gotta pay for the groceries and pay the car off and pay this. You're not being really committed to what you say you want. Mm. Um, so then you'd look back and say, okay, did my mom or dad do that a lot? Did my, was my mom an amazing artist, but she never went after her dreams. Did she always want to go on a trip to Italy? I'm still carrying that same dream of hers. Maybe yeah. I don't even want to go to flipping yeah. Italy, right? Because yeah. um, it's that that whole notion of sacrifice. So I'm thinking about myself and saying mm-hmm. things like, um, I don't know, um, if I want that luxurious holiday, that means I can't upgrade my car. So one or the other. One it's or not. the other. It's not one or the other. How can you have it all? Because we are all born here with the same rights to do and have and be who we want to be in this life. That got messed up along the way with all kinds of crap that life throws us, right? And we are even told, some people, you know, that I've worked with have even said, my parents told me we're not that kind of people. Mm. We're never going to have that. And that hurts when I hear that. I, I didn't get that programming, but I know that that goes extremely deep when it comes from anybody. When somebody tells you we're not that kind of people, we're never going to have that. There's a part of you that believes that. And I think, you know, speaking as a black woman that is definitely programming that mm-hmm. has been forced upon us collectively and mm. that we have also, you know, not everybody, well, no, I think to a lesser or greater degree, we have internalised and we have those beliefs. So um, my background is social work. I was working with a young man who is really clever and his school was bending over backwards to try and keep him in school. Mm-hmm. And um, he wasn't staying in school. He was basically selling drugs. And I, I spoke to him and I was saying to him, why are you doing this? I said, you're so bright. You could easily be a top 10% 
earner if you were employed with just your raw talent he he was a mathematician like no other is the way his um math teacher described um described him and mm. um, he said yeah but tamu man like me don't make money legally like that and i was like Who told and you that, that just gives me goosebumps all over not in the good kind of way because yeah who told you that who said that who who ah that's too strong of a word who stole your gifts from you and being able to use those in the world you know who because we are we're meant to be here using purpose and gift each and every one of us um there's not one of us here on this planet without purpose that's what i think mm-hmm. Even people who don't think they have a purpose, I'm like, yeah, I already know what your purpose is. So <laughs> you can keep telling yourself that. But there's nothing more fun and, and fulfilling and enjoyable than when you know what that is and you start making money from it. Mm-hmm. The problem is the spiritual community, which I was involved with quite largely at one point in my life, it really let me down when I realized how strong the programming was around be desireless. You're not supposed to charge for your gifts. You're not, you know, all of that. You're supposed to be humble. Well, I can be wealthy and humble. I don't even like the word humble actually, because Mm -hmm. I think it's a way that people used to say, don't talk about what you've got. And of course, don't brag. There's a, there's a time and a place for everything. There's a difference. Yeah, don't ever make somebody feel less than because of what you've got. But should we not celebrate when we've accomplished something that we thought was unaccomplishable for us in life? Should we, you know? So I found you on Instagram. Now, Instagram for me generally is a playground of beauty. I find women that are wonderful, I connect with, I sell Mm -hmm. using Instagram, I build my network using Instagram, I can share um, generously via Instagram. Mm -hmm. There's something that comes up time and time again, because people aren't really checking themselves, there's a lot of um, jealousy, to be quite frank. So Mm. there's so at the moment people are really into the vulnerability of sharing but it Mm. seems like the that vulnerability is only shared and celebrated when it's somebody sharing heartache or it's or somebody sharing struggle Mm. Mm -hmm. I think it's also very vulnerable to share um your wins your wins yes and you people have very negative labels like Mm -hmm. arrogant and things like that but surely we should be celebrating because a win for you is a win for me absolutely I love everything you just said (laughs) because it's we haven't been taught so another thing that I do with a lot of my almost everybody I work with is learning to reactivate certain emotions. Most of us have not been programmed. Like, how do we really express joy? What about real, pure happiness, excitement? We are so suppressed on the positive energy vibration of things. It's like, we don't want to feel silly if we're jumping up and down outside. Yes. And I'm like, we need to do that more. We need to show up for each other more. When my girlfriend has a win, I want to show up there with a bottle of champagne and put some music on and have a dance party with me and her in the kitchen on the spot. Yeah. Because things deserve to be celebrated. And unfortunately, out there in the world, we're told that that is egotistical. It's selfish. It's... Uh, all kinds of bad things. And we don't want to be bad people. So in order to not be a bad person, in order to be a good person, it's, you know what, it's actually much safer to be a good person and stay in lack mentality and spread that because it's almost, it's celebrated that a person is 
humble in that way. It's safe. It's safe because you're going to remain a good person in other people's eyes. Oh my gosh, but it yeah. won't feel good to you. You're ripping yourself off all the way. People pleasing. People pleasing is a big one. But what, what the hell are we pleasing? Because I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> there's times that I've been ecstatic, but I haven't allowed myself to share that because yeah. I'm not sure that it's going to be received in the way that I'm feeling. The next time you will send me a message and I will send <laughs> We need those. We, you know, I even, with a few of my girlfriends a few years back, we sat down and I said, how do you want to be celebrated? So that when something shows up in your life like a win, I know how to show up for you as a celebrator. And, you know, for it's different for everyone. One woman wanted a spa day with a few of her girlfriends. One, you know, for me, it's like, I want somebody to show up with a bottle of wine and a cake. It's like, I like old school, like birthday celebration, yeah. but for a win. Yeah. And some people want a day to their self in a cabin in the woods to just, you know, celebrate themselves that way. But really, I would suggest your listeners think about how you want to be celebrated because then you actually start activating a reason to be celebrated. And then when it shows up, you call your girls or your husband or your, you know, whatever, your family and don't stop being ashamed to celebrate yourself. When we celebrate, it activates more energy for more to show up. When we suppress it, it's like telling the universe, oh, thanks for giving me that, but I'm kind of ashamed of it. And the universe goes, well, we don't want you to feel like that, so we're not going to give you more Mm -hmm. of that. Mm -hmm. I was listening to an audio that you have on your um, website um, it was a meditation, which was, for me, it felt like opening you up to receive. Mm-hmm. And it was very, a lot of it was very rooted in your kind of, the base of your spine, like your <laughs> anus, your, that kind your of region. Places. Yeah, yeah your, your, your lady bits and bobs. Mm-hmm. What what is the significance of that? Why was it? Why were you focused? I don't know. Is that the sacral or sacral or whatever area? Why was it? Yeah. So the the first and second chakra to get a little woo on you. Um, that's where your security, your uh, a lot of traumas will be stored. A lot of money issues. Um, funny enough, money and creativity are both connected to the second chakra in a big way. So you'll notice when you feel crap about money, your creative side is probably shut down. Yes, hell yes. And when one wakes up in a big way, the other wakes up in a big way. Now, you also come across the artists that are sort of still programmed of the starving artist thing. And I guarantee you they're suppressing a lot of what they've got in order to stay in that humble, I'm a good person, I'm a good artist world, where we need to stop that. You know what? Get out there. Promote your shit. Mm -hmm. Tell people when you've – celebrate the cell, right? But that goes deep. So – the I think it's called the money gasm, the one that you listened to. I think so. I think so. <laughs> so it's about activating all of that energy, feeling safe. A lot of people don't even feel safe around money. It gives them anxiety, worry, fear right away. So we need to relax into it. You'll also notice sexually when there's a long period, like a dry spell, um, and sex is a whole other thing to look at because if you're – doing having sex just to please somebody else or to give them what they need you're not really honoring and respecting yourself as a woman we need to learn this in a big way because having sex once a month that's really like you want it and you're on it is better than having sex every day with your legs spread and not caring yeah yeah just to get it over with that is that's horrible. Don't, yeah. if you're doing that, stop doing that. Yeah. yeah. Immediately. <laughs> um, 
right now, Immediately, you're giving away your power in every way that way, right? And that's another problem. Women have not actually been taught about how to be in pleasure with their own bodies. We should learn that first before we expect somebody else to to do that for us. Yeah. (laughs) And there's so many conversations I'm having that are talking about women accessing pleasure. It's just something that we weren't taught to value. No. And And not not just sexual pleasure, pleasure from sex to exactly. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So a lot of that energy I find is very shut down in women. So that audio was sort of to open it up and receive, open up the capacity to receive and not only to receive, but to be creative about how. Mm. So women are brilliant at this. We're, you know, I, I don't believe we can actually do anything well multitasking. I'm all about doing one thing at a time, yeah. but our minds are geared to constantly be thinking about many things at the same time. So when you get a a woman working with her money, she begins to go off in all kinds of creative ways of how it's possible. You need to just first give yourself permission to have it be possible. Yeah. And then, you know, sit down with pen and paper and go, okay, 10 K 10 K a month. Right. How is that actually possible with what I've got? So if I'm an artist, maybe I could sell five paintings for two, two grand, yeah. right? Or work the numbers. Do yeah. I need to reach a thousand people at this much yeah. or 10 people at this much, yeah. depending on what you, and so you start to prove to your brain that that creative process can lead to the outcome that you want. You give the money, a reason to come to you, a purpose and start watching the shifts. What I really don't like is when I am talking to anybody, but especially women who don't want to look into their money. They just want to avoid it. They want to keep it in the hands of somebody else because you're never going to understand what you're fully capable of until you do that. So would you, what, what sort of things could you suggest in order for us to start paying attention to our money? Yeah. So I don't work with budget, um, unless you're budgeting for what you want, which Mm -hmm. is a growth budget, (laughs) but I, I'm very strongly against a limiting budget Mm -hmm. because it's, it actually doesn't serve anybody in any way. And it's a dangerous, you're basically telling the universe that you want less and less and less and less and less. So when it shows up, like you're getting less, realize that you manifested it, right? You, you created that. So at least when you're growth, um, oriented, this is what I want. This is what I'm working towards. This is where I want to put the money. And you're honest with yourself. That's another thing that people are not very good at doing. They think, oh, my cost of living is probably around $2,000 a month. But when they really look into it, they find out it's like 6000 a month. Yeah. And they wonder why they have debt. Well, because you've been asking the universe for 2000 a month when really you need seven. Yeah. So get, don't be afraid of your reality. Oh, my gosh. You're making me rethink my figure. because I I kind of thought and it it is through fear so like quite often when you say to people um who aren't in the millions bracket yet you know how much do you want to earn for example they'll say oh a million pounds a year or something um right and yeah because of fear I've kind of taken a staircasing approach so it's kind of been Uh like within x amount I want it to be I mean within x amount of time I want it to be this figure within x amount of time I want to grow it to that figure then I want to grow it to that figure should I just forget all of that and say as much as is there for me Yeah. Well, this is, I always get people to work out their cost of living, pay attention to what, and, and don't try to like people get really sneaky with it. They want to, Oh, if I don't write that down or, well, I only did that this month. It's not going to be next month, but trust me, every month 
you have something show up like that. Yeah. You do. We just yeah. do. Yeah. So get a really good version of what your actual realistic cost of living is and be proud of it. Cause a lot of the times when people do that, they're like, Oh, it should only be this much. Yeah. Why is it? Th- I spend no, this be, amount of money on coffee. Be proud that you have a 10 K lifestyle. Now just match yourself to it. Don't try to talk yourself off of it because nobody wants to go for less. Don't we, if you're having a 10 K lifestyle, don't you want to figure out how to make that your reality and then go for more? Yeah, I do. I, I, I do. <laughs> I do. That's, that's uh, yeah. Do. So it's almost like we often are bunting heads with our subconscious going, I want 10 K, but wait, when I find out my lifestyle is 10 K, it freaks me out and I want to go to 2 K. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so, and then I get them to do their cost of living plus their dream plan. So if you know that you want to go on to, you know, some people like to vacation every month. Some people don't like vacationing at all. So whatever that looks like, if you know that you like to spend about $10,000 a year on vacations or a hundred thousand, doesn't matter what it is, um, break it down monthly. Um, and then if you know that you are going to want a new car or a, a home that you'd like to move into, break down what that could look like monthly and if it were saving for two years for certain things or whatever you need to prove to your mind that it's possible and then you merge those two into your cost of living and you start working with okay how can I make that amount Mm -hmm. you never if you if your brain automatically starts saying that's impossible pay attention because it's not nothing is make it possible, write down, okay, if I took on one extra client, or if I sold 10 more products a day, or reached out, and everything will start to fall into place for the dream that you're creating. Mm -hmm. You need, but you need to open the doors up. The problem is a lot of people think, I want that, I'm going to wait for the world to just plunk that down for me that's when you end up in the waiting game and that's not fun. And you perhaps could be laying on your, you know, your bed at the end of this beautiful turn of life going, damn, how come I didn't make that happen? And I, I, I don't want that to happen for anyone. I want everybody to be on that bed at the end going, I did it all. I did everything that I wanted to do. And, you know, some things will fall off along the way that aren't, you figure out, yeah, I didn't really want that. (laughs) I thought I wanted two cars. I don't, actually. I thought I wanted a boat. I don't want a boat. (laughs) And what you say about you end up in the waiting game, that really um, has connected with me because when I think about lots of things that I haven't done, it was because I was waiting for the pay rise the right this the person the that the the Mm -hmm. other and Mm -hmm. when you put it in that context if I'm waiting at a bus stop and the bus is taking ages I take another route I don't just wait exactly yes I love that metaphor yeah you don't wait for the bus why would you wait for somebody to, for it to be in something, something or somebody else's control. No, your life is your control. Money is in your control. A lot of people don't feel like it's in their control. So, okay. Do I need to create another, you know, another outlet, another stream of income, Mm -hmm. get another job, ask for the raise instead Mm -hmm. of just assuming that. And, and a lot of people will complain that the raise hasn't come but they won't ask for it. Or they get the raise, they get the more responsibility, then they start bloody complaining. (laughs) Yeah. Instead of celebrating. And you know, in a lot of my live events that I do, um, we do like a celebration thing. Everybody has to pick out something from their life that they've never celebrated. And man, we just haven't been taught that we haven't been taught to celebrate what comes out for women in that, um, kind of environment. Like I've had people celebrate their university degrees that they never celebrate, you know, it's amazing what we 
that's you put 10 years into that you never celebrated it yeah blood sweat and tears literal of knowledge <laughs> and you never yeah. celebrated it it's you know you built a 10k a month income you never celebrate it so if we don't celebrate we never feel like we've gotten anywhere they're like they need to become landmarks of i did it i accomplished it now on to the next because otherwise we just move on to the next and it feels like we didn't actually accomplish anything. Exactly. exactly. And, you know, there are some people that have this notion that you can't feel successful because you're going to stop striving and you'll become mm-hmm. complacent. But for, mm-hmm. me, for me, even though I've just shared that there are times when I don't want to share my excitement, even if I don't share my success widely, I have started to, and it's always on reflection, it's never in the moment, actually, but I'll write about it in my journal or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then I can yes. reflect on it and I can really feel that nice, warm feeling and acknowledge mm-hmm. that that happened. Because when I do that, it's not that I become complacent. I just become more motivated, alive, grateful. And then I've got more of a beautiful foundation to then create the next thing. Yeah. And every time you celebrate that or acknowledge it, you're boosting your confidence. You're boosting, which we've been told is a bad thing, right? At a very deep level. We all want to be confident, but there's this other subconscious worry that we're going to go over the edge and be the show off. Yeah. It's like you want the million dollars for the Porsche and the home, but then when you get the million dollars, you're too ashamed to get the Porsche and the home. Yeah. So what, whatever you want, be clear that that's what you really want and, and let that weird old energy suck the joy from it once you get it. Don't try to hide it. Don't brag about it. But be proud of it. You yeah. you did it. Celebrate it, you yeah. know? Yeah. And whether that's I manifested $20 on the street, I found $20, celebrate that. That means stuff is showing up for you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No. Uh, <laughs> I could just talk and talk and talk. But, um, I know. We could. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Jen, where... Can people find you once they've listened to this podcast and think, oh, my goodness, I need to connect with this lady? Oh, I would love that. Thanks. Uh, I do have a lot of audios that are sort of the hypno audio style on SoundCloud. Okay. And I am the money medium on there. Um, My website is the money medium. I'm at the money medium on Facebook and Instagram. Um. Yeah, so come and follow me there and for sure. We'll we'll keep your uh money mindset in check. I like to think of it even more as money programming mm-hmm. because I think a lot of people that say money mindset they're just doing the um stay positive, stay positive, stay positive. And sometimes the truth is you're not feeling so positive. So why not acknowledge I'm not feeling so positive about that rather than suppressing that emotion more. Right. Yeah. absolutely. Then we can fix it. We can't fix stuff that we suppress. Yeah. I'm nodding. I'm nodding. (laughs) And the sooner we learn that the more wonderful the world will be. So we need to get that on. I'm going to make sure that, um, I have links to your, um, social media and your website, um, in the show notes. Do you have anything coming up that we should know about any courses, any lives, any whatever? Um, I do have a course actually with a girl in the UK coming up called money and manifesting. Her name's Sarah Aquasambi. Okay. She's, um, she's wonderful. And that is coming up in January. So, I will get some information and a link maybe over to you for that as yes, well. Please. Yes, please. That'll be wonderful. beautiful. Jen, awesome. Thank you so much for your time and sharing your knowledge so generously. I am going to be uh, revisiting my figures 
<laughs> and um, yeah, stop being scared. Know that you're worth it, girl. You can create anything. Amen to that. Thank you so much, Jen. I have enjoyed uh, this time with you and what a beautiful podcast you have. So just honored to be a part of it. Thank you. The honor is all mine. (laughs) Have a wonderful day. You too. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the 360 podcast. We can continue the conversation on social media using the hashtags live360 and everydayjoy. I hope to see you on my social media channel. If you like the podcast, please subscribe, like, comment, rate, and share this podcast wherever you're listening. 360 Conversations is produced by me, Tammy Thomas. Podcast music produced by James Anderson. I look forward to engaging with you next time. Thank you.